the big idea, Jesus' grace never lacked truth, and his truth never lacked grace. Our weekly identity statement, I am a person of gracious truth and truthful grace. And our memory verse, Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. John chapter 4, The Samaritan Woman. Verse 4. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Grace. Door number one. Jesus talked with a Samaritan woman. Jewish men didn't really associate with women, period. Jesus was radical in this way because he had women who were disciples. That was just simply unheard of. But here we get an even bigger picture of the graciousness of Jesus because not only was he talking with a woman, but she was a Samaritan. And Jews didn't associate at all with Samaritans. They considered them to be half-breeds and vice versa. To a Jew, the Samaritans were the scourge of the earth. There were constant skirmishes between the groups, destroying one another's temples and holy places. They were despised. The Jews saw the Samaritans as defiling worship to the one true God. So, Jesus was being gracious. Verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. I love what Jesus does in this story. Here is this woman drawing water in the middle of the day because of the choices she has made. She needs water to survive, but the thought of bearing the humiliation and judgmental looks and whispers that she would endure by coming when all the other women came was too much. So she came at a time of day when it would cost her more physically, but less emotionally. But Jesus keeps drawing her in with her physical thirst. This woman was thirsty, and Jesus asked her for a drink, knowing full well that he had what she really needed. We run a food pantry out of the church, and what Jesus does would be against a lot of rules for the food pantry. This woman came to the well because she needed water, and Jesus asked her for a drink. That would be like someone coming to the food pantry in need of food and us asking them for a sandwich. 
And Jesus doesn't stop there. Not only does he ask the thirsty woman for a drink, he begins to create more thirst in this woman. That's like asking for a sandwich and then talking about pie and steak and mashed potatoes with the hungry person who came for food. You can understand why her response might be a little short-tempered. But Jesus doesn't let up. She's thirsty. And Jesus knows exactly what she needs to quench the real thirst of her soul. But to get there, he has to go through door number two, truth. Go and call your husband. Um, I don't have a husband, sir. You got that right. That's a very true statement. You don't have a husband right now. You've had five husbands and the man you're with right now wasn't your husband. What you've just said is quite true. To get to the underlying issue that is causing the problems in this woman's life, the issue that created the situation where she needs to draw water during the hottest part of the day, Jesus had to address her deepest, darkest fear. Five husbands and other men in between. She was thirsty, all right, and she had been trying to quench that thirst with men. Her soul was thirsty for God, but she was making her best attempt to quench that thirst in other ways. We don't much like this approach. We want Jesus' grace without his need to address the stuff hiding in the shadows. But for grace to take root in our lives, God has to prepare the soil. And sometimes the soil is packed hard and producing a bountiful crop of weeds. To be able to plant this seed of grace, he must address the truth of the matter. And so door number two is open and Jesus has entered into the shadows of this woman's life. How does she respond? With a diversion. Because of what Jesus has said to her, it's clear to her that Jesus is a prophet. So instead of dealing with what she needs to deal with, she goes a different direction. Religious arguing. Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. Now, when there are two people who staunchly oppose one another religiously, the first thing I want to do is start an argument. You? Probably not. The Jews avoided Samaria like the plague. Why? Arguments. Arguments were bound to erupt with such long-standing disputes. Not only did they come up, but they often turned violent. Remember, this is a woman talking to Jesus. Maybe she thought she could take Jesus on. I don't know, but she was probably pretty tough coming out there all those times in the middle of the day to get water. But we have to ask ourselves, why would she go there? You can guess it by now. It's easier to go there than where Jesus wanted to go. Even if she ended up in a skirmish over the argument, that would be better than talking about that. But Jesus knows what she needs, himself. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. We don't know exactly how she responded to that statement in the moment. Maybe she fell to the ground and wept, but it doesn't say that. All we know is this, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days, and because of his words, many more became believers. What we know is the woman went back into the town, the town full of people she had been avoiding to the point of creating ridiculous, extraneous effort on her part. She went to those people who all knew the kind of woman she was and had no doubt spent many evenings talking about the woman at the well. And she went back to that town and said, he told me everything I ever did. In other words, she went to the town and told them about a guy who told her about her deepest, darkest pain, which they had been using against her to publicly shame her. Her testimony wasn't that the Messiah was here. Her testimony was, he exposed me. Grace wasn't the only tool Jesus used. He used the truth. In fact, in other places we read that Jesus' primary people target were the Jews. He did very little ministry to Gentiles and Samaritans. So, even in Jesus' choice to stay with the Samaritans for two days, we see Jesus continuing graciousness. Our daily scripture focus, John chapter 4, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. As we wrap up, I encourage you to take a few minutes to think and pray through a few things. First, conceptualize. Take a minute to think about how the woman at the well felt throughout the story. First, think about how she felt when she walked up to the well and saw a man sitting there. Think about how she felt when Jesus was asking her for water when she was thirsty. Think about how she felt when Jesus illuminated her secret. Think about how she felt when she ran through the town telling them about what Jesus told her. Second, reflect. Do you have an issue that you don't want anyone to know about? Try to imagine yourself going through the same feelings the woman went through, ending with being so overwhelmed with Jesus that you are no longer afraid of that issue being exposed. Third, repent. See yourself intentionally letting Jesus illuminate that part of your heart and shine his light on your sin. Now, see yourself intentionally choosing to turn away from that thing and embrace Jesus. And last, thank God. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his truth. And thank God for his life.